uh, hey, welcome, glad you're here, and uh, welcome to Element City Church, especially if you're new. Uh, we worship a little bit, and then uh, I'm going to teach out of the Bible tonight. We're going to look into a brand new series on relationships and kind of navigating these different seasons of life and what the scriptures have to say about that. We're going to end with the song, and then tonight we're going to end a little bit differently. We're going to do a family chat, which uh, if you've been around here, we do that every so often, and it's just to kind of keep people on the same page, let people know we're going to celebrate all of what God did in 2017. In fact, you should have gotten one of these handouts when you came in, and we're giving away free hugs tonight. Anyone not get a hug? I know that sounds weird. Uh, I can't throw that far, so I'm going to throw it down here to David. Okay, there you go. Uh, any, a hug? Okay. Oh. oh, there you go. Okay, free hugs. Um, we'll hug you too if you really want. But the idea of uh, these Hershey hugs to kind of get you into this idea of the tonight looking at this concept of singlehood. How many of you are single? Raise your hand. Yeah, keep them high because other people might look around. Uh, but, okay, so... <laughs> Um, how many of you are not single? Okay. Well, you know, for those of you who are sitting here like, well, I'm going to tune out right now because I'm not single. And I want to encourage you to stay engaged because the reality is uh, singlehood is, is a stage of life that is a great gift. In fact, there's a tradition that kind of happens anytime you go into a new social setting or anytime you are around family or friends. If you're single, you really understand this. If someone asks the question, you know, it's that really simple question, but it's really profound, can have a million answers to it when they say, how's life? And in that moment, you don't know how to answer because there's deep things that you could share and you're not sure if they're asking for that really. But here's what they're really asking is, hey, what's, uh, what's your status? How's the job going? Do you have one? Should you get one? Um, that type thing. So maybe as a parent to uh, you, you're living at home or something and parents ask, how's it going? Uh, that's code um, for, hey, do you need a job? Because you probably should. Um, and so this idea of how that's going, how's economic, how's emotionally status of your life, and how's relationship status? This idea of relationship status is being okay, so do you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, do you not? Are you interested or do you not? I mean, all that kind of stuff. And so those questions can be really profound when it comes to this idea of navigating relationship. And I want you to stay engaged as we look at this idea of singlehood. And what's the, the premise of that and how do we grow? Because every one of us is asking probably about our relationship status. Valentine's week, right? For some of you, this is an exciting week. For others of you who maybe raised your hand first, <sighs> right? Maybe this week is just not fun. Like every commercial says that this is the way you find happiness and joy in life, and is it? Really? Um, and, and we have a way sometimes of magnifying something. There's sometimes we have a tendency of looking at a different relationship status as something that we need or want, and that's when life will actually make sense instead of actually maximizing the season we're in. And the truth is, for singlehood, you could find yourself there again. For some of you, you're single again. And there might be a whole bunch of different stories to that. There may be a story of loss. There may be a story uh, of brokenness that comes from that. But you find yourself single again. I remember just being honest with my, uh, when my mom passed away and realizing my dad was single again after 40 years. And, and how do you navigate that? And that was some of the questions he was asking. And so, so what do you do? And giving your dad dating advice is weird. I'm just going to be honest. So 
<coughs> never thought I'd have to do that. Um, but helping walk people through different statuses or seasons of life is important. We all have friends that are that way. There's a tendency sometimes to downplay the season you're in and want to maximize or magnify the beauty of another season. And it's not always true. And so it's learning to understand what's God's truth for the season I am and how do I learn to navigate the seasons I'm in. Uh, there's a guy, Steve Callahan, who a few years back got lost at sea. You may uh, remember hearing about him. The book was called Adrift. It was 76 days at sea. He was lost. He was a sailor, so he had some provisions and things. As his boat began to take on water, he would lived in this rubber raft that he had. He would dive down and get things out of his boat. He actually had some solar power where he could get water and, and kind of do that. But when he was emaciated and, and really struggling, he took three pencils and he kind of formulated this navigational tool in a makeshift way to help him understand and to navigate, get some sure bearings of the horizon and where the sun was. And that's the only two fixed things he could really see out there in the middle of the sea. But he got that and he figured out where he was kind of on the map between Africa and the Caribbean and this idea that he can maybe find the tides and find the, the current that was out here and he would maybe eventually drift into the Caribbean, which he eventually did and got rescued, spotted by some fishermen out there. 76 days. And how many of you have ever been on a cruise ship? Could you imagine being on a cruise ship for 76 days? Let alone like a rubber raft for 76 days. But what he discovered is that some of these tools, some of these instruments that are out there, there's some fixed locations, some fixed things that we can put our mind to and our heart to that actually stay reality. They're fixed realities that we can base life and navigation on in that moment, and that's what helped him. And the scriptures are full of some fixed realities that can help us navigate whatever season we may find ourselves in. We have the opportunity in the same way to navigate uncharted waters in the seasons that we're in and to go about understanding how best to maximize that season. Uh, let me start with this. You do not need romantic interest to discover life's purpose. That is a falsehood that our culture, especially this week, will sell you. That you've got to have a romantic interest in order to have a life of purpose. And the truth is you don't. It's not something that you absolutely need. How many of you need air? Yeah, you need air, okay? It may be a want, it may be a desire, it may be something that God even dreams for you. But it is not a need in order to live and have a functional, purposeful, and significant life. When I was a kid, um, I don't recommend this, but we used to have the pool cover on the pool. And for sometimes we would challenge ourselves to swim from one end of the pool to the other with the cover above us. Don't, that's asterisks here, don't do that. Um, but we would do that as uh, brave teenagers, we thought that was saving the world. And so we would do that, and when you were swimming underwater, it was fine going, but coming back, your lungs started screaming inside. I don't know if you've ever felt that before, when you're running out of air and your lungs are screaming for air. In those moments, you want to surface because you need air. Anyone ever been scuba diving before? Like one. Okay. So for you, uh, pretty much, scuba diving is an idea. Okay, you go underwater, you've got the tank. That tank is your life. 
and lets you breathe underwater, lets you stay connected. But if the tank comes loose or it runs out of air, suddenly what you're doing in that moment is you've either got to surface or you've got to like beat up someone next to you who's scuba diving and take their air because it's life. It's what you need in that moment. And so you have this craving for it. And the reality is our relationships with a guy or with a girl, though it might be important and can be significant, they're not air. They're not the deepest craving or the deepest relationship we're meant to have. That's not the relationship God is most concerned with. So when we get to our relationship with God, that's the one that the scriptures over and over come back to. This is the one that you've got to focus on. This is the one that you don't want to disconnect from because it's the air that you breathe. It's what gives you life. God says that his relationship with you is what happens and what you need most in life. Now, I know for some of you, um, you've been in church for a long time, walking with Jesus, and that makes total sense. For others of you, you're like, well, I've tried different things, and maybe you're still on the experiment chase of trying different things of life to actually give you life and to be life-giving to you. But it's a dangerous place to place God-sized needs onto someone who can't fulfill them. Because the truth is, when we bring God-sized needs to human beings, they cannot possibly succeed because they're not God. You can't do that for someone else, and they can't be all that for you. That's why it matters that we get this first primary relationship right. See, when there's scarcity, it can lead to this place of desperation. And in desperation can lead you to a place of exploitation. And can get to dangerous and, and damaging places. Uh, you, you ever heard the story of the Samaritan woman at the well? In John chapter 4, you can read it later. I don't have time to go through it. But in John chapter 4, Jesus shows up to this well. There's this woman that comes to draw water. She comes in the middle of the day, which is not when people would come. And she's coming there at that time for a reason. To be avoided from the eyes of everyone that's looking because the reality is she's tried relationships. In fact, Jesus has this conversation about uh, water and about thirst. And they get into this little bit of a spiritual conversation. And he says, why don't you go call your husband? And she says, well, I'm not really married. And then he says, I know, you've had five husbands. And the guy you're with right now is not your husband. And suddenly she realizes she's talking to someone who's more than just a dude hanging out by a well. There's someone who actually knows her business. And she gets into the spiritual conversation with Jesus, and Jesus says, if you knew who was talking to you, I would give you living water. See, what's happened is you've, you've tried to put a thirst of your soul on demand to some other people, and they can never satisfy. You've misdiagnosed your greatest need, is what Jesus is saying. Your greatest need is to have a relationship with me, with God. And to get that first and, and primary, God declares that he alone is the true source of life. That when she discovered that, she leaves this encounter with Jesus and she goes back to town and she calls everybody. She's come and listen to this man who told me everything and knows everything about me and yet I am experiencing a love I've never found anywhere else. It matters that this first and primary love is what we base our life on. No matter what status we may find ourselves in. That in our culture, the status of single is almost seen as a status of failure at times. But the Bible never cast 
singleness in that light. In fact, the Bible is encouraging us to be a great steward of our singleness. For those of you who are single, I just, I want to apologize on behalf of the church. I'm not talking necessarily elements, but the church, I think for years, has almost painted a picture that the holding pattern of singleness is not where you find purpose in life. You've got to get married, and you've got to find someone else to live life with. That's where happiness and joy comes, and that's not at all the picture that we see in the scriptures. There is, that's beautiful, and it's a great gift, and, and I hope if that's in your future, you find it, and God's got the right person for you. But listen, singleness is not a disease. It's not something to avoid or get out of. And a relationship is not the cure. And I think for a long time, we've kind of almost portrayed it that way. And I'm sorry for that, because I think that puts weird expectations and almost a weird demand on the cravings that we have for life and how we value life and what we begin to see what matters. So in 1 Corinthians, there's a passage that Paul writes, and he writes specifically to singles. And I want to kind of work our way through that a little bit. And again, for some of you who are married, you're dating, you're like, okay, I'm not in this. Well, you have friends who are. And so as an encouragement, as a follower of Jesus, maybe this is some of the encouragement that you can pass on, that you can be praying for your friends about. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 says this, now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Paul's single, okay? But if you do marry, you have not sinned. He's not classing, you know, marriage as a sin. He's saying, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. Any married people go, amen? Okay, no, <laughs> just don't say that. Don't say, especially if they're sitting next to you, just whispered in your mind. Um, Here's what Paul's saying, verse 29. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. Meaning our existence is short. Anyone know when the NBA put in the shot clock? Take a wild guess. 1954. NCAA put it in when? 1955? No, 1985. 1985. Here's what you know about basketball, right? How many of you love basketball? Basketball, you have a shot clock, right? So you have possession of the ball. You have to get rid of that ball toward the basket before the shot clock violation, meaning you only have a set number of time. And you have to be in this. This is what sped up the game. and what, uh, It's actually beautiful, and I love it. But it's this idea of you can't just hold on to this season forever. You've got to actually take action. And so the time became short for basketball that you have to do this. Otherwise, you violate the rules of the game, and you miss your opportunity. The time is short. That's what Paul's saying, is that we have a life shot clock. You get one, and it's short, it may feel like you've got 80 years, but the reality is it's short, and it's short in the scope of history, and it's short for you. And you and I don't know the amount of time we actually have left, but we know we have a shot clock ticking for our own life. The reality is the amount of the time, uh, the amount on the time affects how you play. And that's what Paul's saying. Hey, life is short. So don't spin your wheels trying to pursue all these other devotions. He's going to talk now about this idea of letting your heart have a single devotion that you can give your mind and your heart to. It's living with the attitude that uh, in the famous words of Hamilton in the play, you're not going to throw away your shot. That you're going to let your life matter. 
and let the, com- uh, the contribution that your life can be make a difference in history. We look at men and women in the world and we shouldn't be focused on what their status is. We should be focused on the state of their soul because there's a shot clock ticking and they need to be about this. So Paul continues and here's what he says. Uh, later on in chapter seven, he says this, I would like for you to be free from concern. An unmarried man or person is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how they can please the Lord. But a married person is concerned with the affairs of the world. A married man is concerned about the affairs of the world and how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman is concerned about the Lord's affairs. And her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world and how she can please her husband. Here's the verse that's the key. Chapter uh, 7, verse 35. And I'm saying this to you for your own good, not to um, restrict you, but that you may live in a right way with an undivided devotion to the Lord. That you might have an undivided devotion. That's what God craves, is an undivided devotion to him. Now, we live in a culture that is scattered with voices and, and polluted with people and things and philosophies that are calling for your attention, my attention. But what God is saying is, I want my voice to be primary. I want, I want the ways of my heart to be the things that call to you first and most. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All this other stuff, it'll be added to you. God knows that you want it and that you need it, and when it's right, he'll provide it, but you seek first the kingdom. What matters to me most, Jesus is saying, I want your heart there. I want your devotion there. And we can get divided in so many other things. But Jesus is saying this idea of of undivided devotion matters to me. So the, the season of singleness provides a unique opportunity for us to focus more on God's kingdom than the kingdom we want to build and create. And our devotions can become divided when it's not. And so there's this tension we all live with, no matter what status you're in. But in the single status, it is a season where you can have a focus, maybe better than any other time in life, to let your heart have an undivided devotion toward God. Now remember, the Apostle Paul is saying, look, it's not wrong to get married. In fact, he's going to build up marriage in this. But he's certainly not downplaying singlehood. He's trying to help maximize and help people see the beauty of it. Our devotion and our attention can become so consuming. See, we can get stuck. I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, I remember when I was single, so much of my thought life was about wanting to be married. And I feel like I missed some of the opportunity I had to leverage and grow my relationship with God. I had to really work on that. See, Jesus is the one who loves you first, he loves you most, and his love lasts the longest. That's why he calls for your devotion. He deserves our primary devotion. Human love can be significant, but human love can never be supreme. It can't. When we put that kind of expectations on a human being, you will never succeed. They cannot live up under the weight of that. But God can, and that's why he calls for us and says, you're to pursue me first and love me most. Now these other loves, I I may bless you with that, but I want you to have an undivided devotion to me. 
Uh, Jim Elliott was a missionary, and he had a love interest, and this is back before cell phones and Twitter and Snapchat, and uh, he sailed overseas, and he writes back to his love, and he says this phrase that has just stuck with me that's fascinating. He says, let uh, not our longing slay our appetite for living. Let not our longing for one another slay my appetite for living and being present in the moment that God has me in. I don't want to be so consumed and caught up with this relationship that I miss out on the best relationship. I can have this also, but not to the detriment of this devotion and what God is calling us to. And so in the season of singlehood, if I could just put a couple things around it, here's what I would say. Let the Holy Spirit help you focus on refining you and becoming the one that God desires you to be. Let it be a season where you're letting the Holy Spirit guide you and and for God to help you become the one that he desires you to be. Aim your devotion at Jesus first and most. And let him have permission to be about working and reshaping you and your character and, and changing you. Apprentice under his leadership. Be a disciple, a follower of Jesus with all of your heart. One that allows him to grow you more and more into the person he's dreaming and desiring you to be. That your time and your energies and your attention and your resources would be aimed in his direction first and most. And in doing so, you're going to find him doing a work within you. And maybe secondly is this. So let him work on you. And then you work on you. Work on becoming the one that the one you're looking for is looking for. Work on becoming the one that the one you're looking for is actually looking for. Meaning, you're owning your stuff. You're owning your issues. Healthy people seek out counsel. Unhealthy people hide. That is the reality of life. And listen, if you're a human being, you are broken. You have brokenness in you. Welcome to the world. And so there are issues. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, you have issues. Because it's true. We all have issues. We've got things that we've got to deal with. And working on becoming the person that you're looking for, what they're looking for, means I've got to own that. I've got to take responsibility. See, in the single season, it's probably the best season of life to work toward health and wholeness, not perfection, because no one's perfect, but getting healthier and working on that. That it takes intentionality. It doesn't just happen by providence or accidentally. It takes intentionality to get healthy. Making sure that you're working through past crises or challenges that are in your life, that you're seeking out health and healing and wholeness, and you're owning the fact that I get to be a part of this, and I'm the one that has responsibility for it. And so you take responsibility for that. If you've got unhealthy patterns in life and you've never dealt with them in your single season, that is the best time to deal with them. Why? Because then you don't bring that baggage with you into other relationships. You get healthy. Not perfect, because no one is. But if you're single, for some of you, you may be hearing all this and go, well, that's great, Jack. Whoop-de-doo. Because you don't know how long I've wanted a relationship. And you're right, I don't. I know for me, it was a longing. And I know for you, whatever you may be in that journey, it may be one of those things that you're desperate for. 
And Paul's saying, and Jesus is saying, and the scriptures are saying, it's not wrong to desire that. But don't be consumed by it. That's where it becomes idolatry. That's where it becomes something bigger than God. And what the scriptures are saying is, no, God needs to be first and primary and, and most in life. It's learning that seasons of waiting are actually training grounds for becoming. It's a training ground for becoming more of who God wants you to be. It's a training ground in becoming the one that the person you're looking for is looking for. It's a training ground opportunity. It's not a forever season, necessarily. Listen, waiting is not a punishment. It's a process. The only thing more difficult than waiting on God is wishing that you had. And... I can't tell you how many couples I've counseled with that I think if they were honest, they probably shouldn't have got married. I can't tell you how many couples I've, I've counseled with that if they were honest, they would say, man, I didn't work on me enough. And it's okay, you can work on you afterwards too. I mean, it's not an end of things, but Sometimes waiting on the Lord is difficult. And so we like to fast forward things. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but you're missing out on opportunities if you do. And so this waiting sometimes is something that's meant to be. I think in our culture, we tend to over-romanticize relationships. And it's the 30-second commercial, it's the movie that we see, and we romanticize everything of relationships. Those of you who are married, how many of you would raise your hand and say, marriage is tough? It just is. And that doesn't mean the person next to you is bad. I married way out of my league. (laughs) I'm thankful she puts up with me. But it's tough. It's not easy. You know why? Because when you're single, you're selfish. And marriage and parenting change that. They begin to drive it out of you. And for some of you, it may take a long time to drive that out of you. And it's this challenge to say, look, pursue the greatest love first, God. Our world says kind of settle for easy love. One night stands, pornography, friends with benefits, that's what you can have. That's what our world says. But friend, they are false loves. They whisper something they can never really deliver on. They're promising something they don't have the capacity to actually provide. Our culture promotes the lust of the flesh and the scriptures say flee the lust of the flesh. The Bible never says that you shouldn't desire or that you should squash your sexuality or desires, but it does say you don't let them master you. You learn to control them, not the other way around. And our world promotes the other way around. Pursue the greatest love first and most. God's love is the only love that truly lasts. Singleness is not a disease, and getting a relationship is not the cure. There's nothing wrong with desiring a relationship with someone, but there is something wrong with idolizing it. When that becomes the the thing 
that you want most in life, then friend, you're askew if you get there. And you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) That's the first commandment, right? Have no other gods before me. Prioritizing God above all is the first priority. And we're to get that relationship thing right. See, when we get this relationship with God right, every other relationship will tend to be more healthy. But when we don't have this relationship right with God, every other relationship gets affected and impacted by it. So it's not this idea that you can't have a relationship. Pray for that. In fact, here's what I would say. Wait for someone who loves Jesus more than they love you. Pray now for the person that you want to have in the future that you love God to bless you with. Pray for them because hopefully you're going to meet them someday. And so you can pray for them before you even know their name. Focus on becoming the person that God will bless with someone if that's what your desire is and that's where you'd like to be. Grow your devotion for Jesus above anything and everyone. That's what Paul's trying to say. The time is short. Let your devotion be undivided. Be a good steward of the single season you're in. The truth is you can get a lot done in your single season. And sometimes when you're dating and when you're married, your devotions are divided and you don't have as much traction for the kingdom. You can still do great things, but it's different, isn't it? And in those single seasons, I think that's where the church sometimes has done a disservice. To say, hey, this is bad for some reason. No, 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 it's not. In fact, this is a gift of a season. Maximize it. Uh, It's interesting reading uh, Philip Zimbardo uh, is a chair of Western Psychological Foundation. His book, The Demise of Guys, he reported that the average guy, by the time he turns 21, has spent 10,000 hours playing video games. Do you know how long experts say it takes to become an expert in something? Take a wild guess. 10,000 hours. Listen, you can get your bachelor's degree in half that. I'm not against video games. Have fun. Play them. But if that is all you're doing in life, you are missing the narrative going on around you. God's writing a story, and he wants you to be a part of it. I don't care if you play games, but devotion to God expresses itself in attentiveness to God's word and attending to his work. Meaning, I'm I'm spending time in God's word. I want to know who God is. I want to know what he's like. I want to know what he has to say for my life. And I'm going to be active in his work. I'm going to give my time. I have time. I'm going to give my time to the things of God. Leverage your single season for God's glory. In the midst of that, you will become changed. And you might just become more the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. As you give your life to those things. Uh, Final thought, Matthew 19, Jesus talks about marriage and divorce and singleness. And and you can read it later in there. He says, this. uh, Jesus shares some thoughts on it. He said, not everyone can receive this saying, speaking of this idea of singleness and, and like a permanent singleness. But only to those it's given. So it's not for everyone, this permanent season. Some of you have been given singleness for a season. And in due time, that season's going to pass. Sooner for some of you, later for others. Some of you will tarry a little bit longer. But God who has given you that gift will give you the grace you need. His grace is sufficient. Some of you might be like Augustine or Origen or Mother Teresa, the Apostle Paul, Jesus, who were all single and changed the world. 
their impact we're still feeling because of their undivided devotion and the opportunity God used to leverage their life for his kingdom's sake and for good. For far too long, the church has said, you've got to move past singleness. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know if Jesus would say that. In fact, I think what he would say is leverage your singleness for his glory and for his story. And if you desire a relationship, pray for it. And God will bless that at a time. Singleness is not a less than status. In fact, it may be the best status. So don't be too quick to get out of it. Enjoy it when you're there. When it's time, you'll know. It's time to move on then. That's okay. But friend, for however long your single season may last, make it count. Have an undivided attention. Run after the Lord. Make it your aim to run after Jesus with a, your whole devotion. And as you're running after him, here's what's going to happen. People are going to cross your path, and you'll be like, they're cute, but they're going a different direction than you. Let it go. Let it go. Just sing the song to yourself. Let it go. <laughs> but you keep running after the Lord, and eventually here's what you may find. Someone else is going to be running after the Lord. You're going to look over like, wow, they're running too. Hey. Hey. And maybe you want to begin to run together. And maybe God will say, hey, here's your running partner. Leverage your life in your single season, however long that may last, for God's glory. And so what I'd like to do tonight is just, I'd love to pray over you who are single. Uh, uh, just a prayer of blessing that you leverage this season. And, and for those of you who are maybe not in the single status, you're dating, you're married, uh, you know somebody who's single, who's dear to your heart. And I want you to think of them by name. And I want to pr you pray along with me for them. And then we're going to worship, we're going to enter into a time of communion and sing a song together, and then we've got a little family chat that we'll have after that. But just let's take a moment and pray together. So I'm just going to give you space to kind of think of the name of someone. Maybe if you're single, it's you. <laughs> but if you're not, you, you know someone. You're like, okay, I know that. So Father, um, we just want to apologize. God, I... I think sometimes we in the church have done a, a disservice to the season of singlehood. And we've almost brought a self-condemnation or a, a condemning to people who are there in that season and, and, and almost even told them non-verbally or verbally that it's a less than status. And God, it could not be further from the truth. And so forgive us for that. God, I pray for my friends here who are in that season of life that they would not be too quick to get out of it, but they would run with an undivided heart in devotion to you, Jesus. I pray that you would quicken their pulse to be about understanding you and being in your word and learning about who you are and how you want to shape and retransform our lives to be everything that you want us to be. Holy Spirit, would you speak into the lives of those who are single that they might hear you and sense you and they would passionately unleash and unwrap the gifts and talents and abilities that you put within them to utilize not just to understand your word but to be active in your work 
and the contribution that they can make to your kingdom's sake, not just through elements, but in all of their life, God. Would you give them the blessing of being in partnership with you in the story that you're writing? I pray that you would wake them up in moments to the beauty of you and your tender care and your attention and your affection for them, that they might know that they are loved eternally, securely, that they're loved right where they're at, not about where they're going or where they've been, but right there. God, I I pray that you would bless them, that, God, you would utilize, you'd leverage their life for your good in this world, for the things that you have for them, that you'd give them dreams and visions of their future, and you'd let them know that, that you're there with them through the thick and thin and that you're reshaping and that you're developing their character to be the one that the one they're looking for is looking for. And God, if there's relationship in the future, I, we pray for that person, that you would cross their paths, you would help them to run side by side and, and over time see that. Become people who are pursuing you together just side by side now. God, however long that season is, I I pray that you'd bless them. God, our culture throws so much at our singles today. It's so difficult to keep an undivided devotion to you. Pray that you would encourage them, that this week would be a week where you would breathe life back into them, that the setbacks and challenges of their past would be something they could work on with you and, and persevere and come out whole and healthy. So as we take communion here in in a minute, as we create space to worship you in song, we ask that Jesus, you're a single savior. You know this road. And you wanna meet people and walk with them through every step. We are grateful for your sacrifice, the forgiveness of our sins, the giving up of your body, that we might have life with you Whether we're single, whether we're dating, whether we're married, we have life with you, whatever season we're in. And you can help us maximize that season for our good and for your glory. So would you stir our hearts this week as such. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen.